up, everybody? I'm Kobay. I'm Kyle. Welcome to the show where we talk about stuff all day long. No, this is not going to be all day long. Welcome back to the Healing Circle. Um, today, we are excited to talk to you guys about depression. We wanted to talk about depression because I think it's a word that's thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people actually know how to define it and how to truly identify it. I think people just kind of see someone change and be sad and they're like, it's depression. Yeah, Depression is the catch-all for any negative emotion. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And so I think that um, defining it and giving people a clear understanding of it, especially from us, because, I mean, I've experienced it as a Christian. You've experienced it as a Christian. Experiencing it right now. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's real. Um, And I think that people don't know how to understand these feelings and these symptoms in the midst of, like, actually loving Jesus. Like, like, I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> and so I think that, um, yeah, it's going to be important for everyone, not just our listeners, to understand what depression is so that we can have appropriate conversations and so we can appropriately interact with each other and the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So let's define what depression is. So the DSM, which is a diagnostic manual um, that gives all clinicians, mental health counselors, social workers, psychiatrists, doctors, an understanding of what mental illnesses are, like how they're defined and also how to diagnose someone with it, like what criteria they have to meet before they can be diagnosed with it. Um, It would say that you would have to have these symptoms for at least two weeks for you to have depression. And depression is not even called depression in the DSM. It's called major depressive disorder. Um, is there such a thing as a minor or a, a meteor? Medium? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just major depressive disorder. Ooh, there's a sermon in that. Depression is always major. Come on, Come, pastor. We're going to pass the orphan bucket around. Come on, sir. Um, so let's first define depression. Depression is defined as a prolonged feeling of severe despondency or dejection. Um, the symptoms include feelings of sadness and hopelessness that are persistent, and I think that's probably pretty widely known. Um, a lack of interest in doing most activities, including things that you once loved doing. Decreased or increased appetite accompanied by extreme weight loss or weight gain. I've never had the weight loss. Um, yeah, I need that type. <laughs> we don't want major depressive disorder. Just saying, but if you got to have it, Listen. there's clearly a superior type. I cannot with you, Kyle. I cannot. Um, sleeping too much or too little. I definitely sleep too much when I'm depressed. I'm, I am cannot be rested. What about you? I'm a cape up for um, people that like sleep. And I don't know. I feel like you can't like sleep too much. I mean, you can. And you know what is interesting is sleep is like sleep and fatigue can be a biological and neurological coping mechanism because you're escaping. You are literally escaping to a lack of consciousness. I love sleep. Well, you should ask yourself why you love it so much. I think we should all love sleep. Sleep is good for us. We need it every single day. I get angry when I wake up in the morning. I know we're all, you know, supposed to... Listen. He, he woke you up this morning. I get it. Babe, but don't, don't make me put on my clinical hat, all right? I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not at work. I'm trying to sleep 12, maybe 13 hours a day. That would When I retire, that's all I'm doing. Yeah, and I, th- I don't think that's bad. I don't think that wanting to sleep a lot is bad in that capacity. Like, I want, a, like, more sleep, but, like, wanting to sleep... 
I know for me, when I was dealing with my depressive episode, I would sleep all day and then be up for like two hours and be like, and it's time to take a nap. <laughs> like, and all right, right, let's go to sleep. And like, it, like my day revolved around sleeping. And that's what I think is, is unhealthy because it's revolving around this escape of reality, um, which, you know, is rooted in some type of pain. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um... Restlessness, it can show up in restlessness and fatigue, which we kind of just talked about. Excessive or inappropriate feelings of guilt or worthlessness. Um, difficulty making decisions, thinking and concentrating, um, along with multiple thoughts of death or suicide, including a suicide attempt. Um, essentially, depression is a lack of joy. It's just this grand absence of joy. And I think that Oftentimes people don't realize that depression is present and joy is absent until they're in situations where they have to feel deeply or or are expected to feel deeply, right? Yeah. I mean, well, one, you list all these symptoms and they all sound like symptoms of adulthood. Yes. Listen, we've, and so many of us, in the U.S., in the Western world, we have been living on autopilot. And so many people think that depression is like, oh, I'm so exhausted, I'm going to sleep all the time, which for some people, you know, that's the reality, i.e. me. But also, for a lot of people, it's just living life on autopilot. It's going to work, feeling nothing. It's like this persistent numbness that just pervades every single corner of your life. And I think that that is the case for many, many, many people. Like, people who are depressed are, like, that That joy is shut off, you know? And so they do... And also, like, that the super low is shut off. So it's not always, like, I want to die right now or life is absolutely terrible. Sometimes it's just, like, this meh, like, this shutdown of emotions. There's no high. There's no low. There's just, like, this mediocre middle that I'm yeah, going to Yeah, but the mediocre at. middle is... Um... <clears throat> not safe, Kyle. Well, I was going to say safe. I know you So were. that's it's weird that you safe. said not safe. Yeah. You know, being just even keel. First of all, everyone yeah. likes even keel people. <sighs> or they don't not like them. But you know what? I think that people like even keel people because it allows them to feel more in control. And that's what's so hard about not being like, I had a client the other day talk about like, oh man, I feel everything. You know, like. Sounds horrible. Sounds like what God designed us to do. You got a problem with our Lord and Savior? Or God not? designed us to poop. I didn't have some painful poops. Oh my too, God. All right? <laughs> <I don't>. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, everything we're supposed to do ain't great. I think, I mean, we can't have discernment. And that's why, like, look, uh, the emotional intelligence, the ability to, to feel emotion, emotions appropriately, to to communicate them effectively and to name them within ourselves and in other people. Like you can't have that without feeling deeply. And so people want the benefits of feeling deeply, but they don't want the work that comes with it. And that's hard. I'm one of those people. I know you're you married are. to one of those people. And you're being rehabilitated. Sorry, I just like smacked your back so loud. No, the mic picked it okay. up. Yeah. I think that, um, one, you are being rehabilitated by Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and by therapy. Um, it's important for people to know that depression does not always show up 
if you're looking for it in yourself and in your friends, it does not always show up as this, I can't get out of bed. It shows up with, I have no hope, right? For many creatives, it shows up in a lack of imagination. Like, imagination is the foundation of hope. Being able to conjure up in your mind and your soul the idea of something that is not actually physically present or real or happening like the the ability to suspend reality for a moment for the hope of something greater than what you're experiencing like that is the foundation of faith and like that is yeah that's a great segue into how um depression affects our relationship with god yeah um i know it's it's not the thing I'm supposed to say as yeah. like, okay, keep it hot. I love Jesus. I'm that guy. I'm that, I'm that love Jesus guy. I'm mm-hmm. the weird guy that really loves Jesus. So I, I really do. I was rescued by him mm-hmm. and, um, knowing and being known by him has changed my life completely. And yet there is also the reality that I've had a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And honestly, after a certain amount of disappointment in life, it feels like the story is over. Mm. Like it's already been written Mm. and there's a cap on how good you'll ever feel again. Mm. And the the mature thing, or as old black folk would say, the mature thing is is to just accept that this is life and it doesn't get much better and it might get a little worse and welcome to being an adult yeah just you just it just is what it is yeah that's a word so many of us were raised to were raised to normalize the symptoms of the disorder of depression like we were Mm. we were raised to believe that it was a rite of passage to stop hoping that's true we you were can't raised... even get on the spades table until you've been through something. Yeah, right, right. We're, <laughs> yeah. We were raised to. We were raised in a way like our generation, not us individually, but our generation was raised to believe that like the absence of emotion, the shutting down of emotion, the suppression of emotion was a sign of growth and was a sign of like establishment. Like you made it, and so I think that's why so many of my clients, you really just like gave me some insight i think that's why so many of my clients can't conceptualize the idea that they have major depressive disorder because so many people that they respect admire the same symptoms that are literally killing them Mm. you know what it reminds me of um when i first became a christian i became a christian in college um I made Christian noises before that, but I wasn't really about it, and God knew I hated them. He's a Christian, Christian noises? Yeah, I made all oh, the like Christian the noises, and, you know? Yeah, 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 I could say hallelujah, and I, I knew the, the worship songs or whatever, but I didn't believe in God, and he might have believed in me, but I didn't believe in him at all. Mm. And um, But when I had a moment where I was met and encountered by the love of Jesus, I was so on fire about this world-changing, earth-shattering experience. I went to my parents, who are great, by the way. No shade to them. But I remember them and, like, my aunts and uncles. They're like, oh, like, that's cute. Yeah. But, like, that'll go away. Yeah. 
And yet Christ tells us to be like children. Yeah. Right. Yet Christ honors that type of childlikeness. He honors the type of of hopefulness and reckless faith, right, that seeks after him and believes that he will do what he said he would do. And yeah. yet you look at the Pharisees and, you know, the the teachers of the law and for them maturity was not submitting to Jesus in honest and emotional connection. It was questioning and criticizing and, you know, uh, scrutinizing the word. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it reminds me of, um, <laughs> we here, here's my weird Jesus moment. So GK Chesterton, he is a GK Chesterton. He is a, an apologist, a theologian from like the 1800s. Um, he influenced, a ton of really great theologians. Either way, he talks about this childlike aspect to God that you were just mentioning. He was yeah. saying that you know that God is like a child because you look at creation. Yeah. And you look at how much similarities in creation. He says if you look at a field of daisies, you'll see thousands and thousands of daisies. And yet you've never met an adult that looked at a thousand daisies and thought each one of them was worth being made. Mm. You'll say he said, like, you know, when you when you pick up a child and you roll them around in a circle or whatever and you put them down, they'll laugh and they'll say, do it again, do it again, do it again. Mm. And you'll do it again. And they're never done with it. Yeah. It's always do it again. When you become an adult, the, he says, like, the moment when childlike innocence is lost is that moment where you're like, nah, I don't really want to do it again. Mm. But in God, you see this this childlike entity who every time he looks at creation, he says yeah. with joy, do it again. He yeah. says to the daisy, okay, let me make another one. Mm. Let me make another tree. Let me make another human. Like he's excited every time. Mm. And so much of us, so many of us have kind of lost that childlike joy yeah. of like do it again. And for me, I can kind of remember the moments where I lost that innocence. Mm. The idea that the next time something happened, it would be just as great as the first time the idea that i could feel that joy again and i look back and you're right a lot of my community and the people i love and the people i respected they kind of forced me to feel dumb about yeah. feeling yeah yeah and like if you were eager to share the gospels because you were foolish yeah if you were eager to share love you know like you well you you clearly have no discernment no wisdom no you know and it's like you know i don't think the woman who had the issue of blood had any wisdom either she just grabbed the hem of his garment and was like i hope it'll work yeah yeah and like children are desperate like think of all the crazy things levi does for (laughs) for anything for anything like he will literally obey tell him about the um the popsicle Yo, this kid. <laughs> so we have popsicles. We're not supposed to have them, but anytime I go to the store with Levi, I tell him that if he doesn't tell mom, I won't tell her either, and I buy them. So um, she doesn't. She's not supposed to know about them, but some somehow she finds out. And so Called we buy these. The <laughs> if she opens them, they're there. Um, so some days we'll come home and. Levi will run up to the fridge, start knocking on it like it's a door, and saying, pop, 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 he wants a popsicle. So, I'm a responsible parent, so I don't give him a full popsicle. That would be crazy. I give him half, and I eat the other half. Well, recently, 
I'll take the popsicle, I'll bite off half of it and then give him the rest. And he chased me down, like literally like climbing up my legs. I was sitting down. He climbed on top of me, got on top of my face, opened my mouth. Pried and it open. Pried my mouth open, pulled the popsicle out of my mouth and put it in his in his mouth. Like he was mad that I took half his popsicle. Mm. I was like, nah, bro, we gonna fight. Yeah. That's my popsicle. Yeah. Yeah. And like to think about like what if we as Christians pursued our joy, our birthright, our inheritance, chasing down the enemy like that. Being like, look, mm-hmm. nah, I like I don't care what I gotta do. <laughs> That's mine. That's mine. Yeah. You can't have it. That's yeah. mine. You know, but I also don't want to miss because this is the profession I operate in and it's not just self-help or coaching, which I don't have any shade um, towards that. But I think that there is there's value in getting, you know, hard and fast training. But I do want to talk about the biological and neurological implications as well. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how depression affects the brain. So cortisol um, is a hormone that is released when we're stressed out, um, when we're anxious, when we're depressed. Um, and when we're depressed, that cortisol overloads our body, right? It's constantly being released. Think about cortisol being something that, think about it as a faucet, right? You turn on the faucet for a second to wash your hands to deal with something, you turn it off, right? But with cortisol, if you, it's kind of like having a sink full of endless dishes, and the water is constantly running, right? And so this cortisol is flooding your body because feelings are not just these spiritual in the air things. They're physiological responses to stimuli. Um, but this overload of cortisol being released in our body, it can cause weight gain. It can cause chronic back pain, muscle loss, high blood pressure, bone weakness. In women, it can cause excessive facial hair, thigh hair, abnormal menstrual, uh, menstrual cycles. Um, for men, it can cause low, fertil- for low fertility, low libido. And I think oftentimes, the, so the reason why I want to talk about the neurological component of this is because I don't want to fall into the trap that the enemy sets for believers and thinking that because the gospel is simple, that solutions are simple. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gospel is simple. Jesus came to save the world, to take everyone who has sinned and make us look as though we've never sinned before. Right. He separates our sin as far as the East is from the West. But the sin that affects this world, like sometimes the solutions are more complicated than we think they are. And sometimes we try to oversimplify in the church, like, oh, you're depressed, just pray. Just get over it. Anybody who has ever told someone to just get over it has never actually gotten over anything. They've just (laughs) suppressed it. Like, I've never met someone who says to people, just get over it. And I ask them a specific question about a specific thing and they don't want and they want to talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, there are always people who are very boundaried about I'm not talking about this. Well, if you're over it, we should be able to discuss it. When the answer for how you got over it is I just did. You didn't get over you it. You didn't get over it. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah. get over it. And so I don't want to turn this into Jesus can heal, um, can restore, can renew anything. Um, but also God gives us these interpersonal opportunities to experience healing so that here on this earth, we get to exemplify the gifts of Jesus 
and the relationship of Jesus. And it's more valuable for us to go to counseling and sit before a person mm-hmm. and experience healing than it is for us to raise our hands in a dark room and ask God to heal our hearts and never have to experience that again. Right. Yeah. There's no testimony in that. There's no wisdom in that. There's no faith in that. Yeah. Right. Um, I wouldn't say no faith. I think the, the faith of walking step by step is much more demanding, I would say, than the faith of saying just take it away. And once it's taken away, everything <laughs> will be OK. And I say this because this is why medication for some people is necessary. Yeah. Because there is a biological issue at hand. And yes, I know what you're thinking. You're telling me, Kobe, that social interactions can affect my biology? Yes. For every person who's like, just get over it. They talking about you. Let it go. That's not how it works. Our brain is the most social organ on our body. It, it is affected by words, it's affected by social cues, it's affected by looks, it's affected by touch, it's affected by social interaction. And I know people really struggle with understanding that, but like the chemistry of your brain, there are parts of your brain that literally disintegrate in isolation. That yeah. is why isolation is a second highest form of punishment in this country behind death. Yeah, I guess when, when you put it that way, it does... It yeah, seems pretty important. Because that social isolation causes a physical pain, like a physical burden. And that's why some people need um, medication. But also there are ways that you can deal with um, the effects of depression without medication, right? You yeah. can go to therapy. You can invest in community. Um, you can reflect. Like we've talked a little bit about um, emotional literacy and... So emotional literacy is the idea of being able to um, express what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. Yeah, it it seems like such a simple concept. Um, and yeah. yet, at least for me, yeah. I, I went to therapy, knew something was wrong. I could list, you know, if you needed me to tell you what's wrong with you, I could, you know, I could just list a hundred things that I didn't like about me. But um, my therapist really challenged me to speak to my pain in words that it understands. And he, mm. he kind of painted the picture of like, hey, like, for me, my trauma began um, and, and trauma is almost like an avalanche or like one of those um, those caricatures of like a snowball that turns into this massive thing. As it keeps sliding down the hill, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. But the initial moment for me happened when, when I was a child. Yeah. And many of the ways that I respond and isolate and hide and whatever, they are the actions of a child, of mm. a little boy. And so he was saying, like, hey, you are struggling with healing because you keep talking to your six-year-old pain like it's 27. Mm. And you get frustrated that it doesn't understand what you're saying. Wow. And he's like, no, you need you need to learn so much about your trauma your pain, your emotions, that you can explain it to six-year-old, upset, crying, little boy Kyle. You need to be able to explain it to him in words that he can really understand. Otherwise, all you're doing is silencing him. Yeah, and and one, that's how victims become abusers, right? One, like not putting language to their own pain, um, silencing their own 
pain in themselves and so they have no value for the pain of other people and when I say abuse I'm not just talking about like heinous crimes I'm talking about the abuse of people expressing that they've been verbally abused and people dismissing it because yeah. they have their own history of verbal abuse and they decided like I'm not going to deal with it I got over it yeah so I got it's over not it but I'm used to people talking about me I'm fine with it blah 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 I love the haters <laughs> you know like whatever it is um but I think that that like that speaks to like the core traumatic issues that can show up. I am convinced that your twenties and thirties are like the depression years, and when I say that, I don't mean that these are the years that everyone's guaranteed to be de- depressed. I think that they are the years that people, for the first time in their lives, do not have the majority of their day spoken for, mm. um, yeah. and have a set amount of time every day that is free yeah like you go to work and then after work you're free and so i think that there's so many people whose minds have been so busy and so preoccupied with college and this and that that they haven't been able to process what's going on as a child Mm. Um, and as they're preparing to create their own homes create their own connections with partners create their own lives they're running into these brick walls right they're running into these walls like why can't i get motivated why can't i do this why can't i do that and that's what i was saying about how i think a lot of people don't realize they're depressed until they start trying to engage in situations that demand of more of them emotionally and they just can't be present yeah they just can't respond to it they get the pro- they're fighting for the promotion they get it and they just can't feel joy yeah. you know they're they're spending all their time trying to find someone to be partnered with and then in that relation they just can't feel connected and that's the moment that it's not that the moment that they become depressed, but it's the moment that they're awakened to the reality that they've been depressed for a long time. If there's two things I could say that exacerbate depression, it's isolation and silence, right? So when people say, talk to somebody, it's not just this weird <laughs> social thing you say when someone dies yeah. tragically of suicide. It's, it's a reality that when we talk about our emotions we cognitively process them when we cognitively process them we gave we gain wisdom and understanding and when we gain wisdom and understanding those emotional experiences that are painful become less painful right yeah um and that's why it's important to do things like journal being able to do that with yourself being able to write that down in the privacy of your own room. I tell people that journaling is an awesome place for you to explore your internal voice without the consequence of how other people respond to you. You know, you get to just say what you want to say and figure out what voice is most true to me out in, in the world and what voice am I going to adopt? So I feel like we could talk about this forever. We really could. Yeah. Well, I feel like we talk about this forever, but I think that, um, one, notice the symptoms of depression. And once you notice them, seek help. You know, go to therapy. Um, I'm here in Charlotte. You can always book a session with me. Um, you can find out so many places to um, 
find good therapists. I created an FAQ guide um, that's completely free that gives you all the answers to therapy that someone who's never been before might want to know, um, where to find a therapist, how to inquire, all of that completely free. The link is going to be in the show notes so that you guys can get that resource and explore the idea of going to therapy. Um, but also remember, if you're struggling to connect with the Lord, um, because of hopelessness, because of fear, speaking God's promises over you will help, period. Like, I won't say, oh, it can help, it's not enough. It, it will help. But also, God wants the healing that he has for you in this earth to involve another person. That's why he says when two or three are gathered, his presence is there, right? That's why yeah. Jesus came to this earth. He didn't need to come wrapped in flesh, but he did. Because your yeah. healing is in the connection that God has for someone with for you with someone else. So this is why it's important to go talk to somebody. Holler at a friend, call somebody. You know what? This week, call someone and tell them how you feel. Whether it's happy or sad or whatever, call them and just tell them how you feel. And then ask them, how do you feel? You going to do it this week, babe? Uh, well, First I, of all, I have to say yes. Since I was I'm wondering why recorded. you're taking so long to respond, I was like, I'm going to make you do it. Um, you know, I already do that now, so I'm getting yeah. I'm getting better at that. But no, that's a that's a great way to do it. And I know there's a lot of p- folks that can't get therapy. Um, like she said, one of the things that I think helped me was to decide once a day to notice uh, what I'm feeling and then tell someone what I felt. Um, it's not as good as like journaling or whatever, but it. I think it's like a good entry step of just like you know what, instead of me just bypassing that I'm annoyed by X Y Z and telling myself, well, everyone's annoyed all the time. Get over it. Yeah. Deciding, you know what, I'm gonna text my friend T J and tell him I'm annoyed, which yeah. for me was it's it's small, but it it started something. For yeah, me. yeah, and something that's accessible for everyone is is journaling. Yeah. Writing it down. Um, seeing it, externalizing it, and being able to process the hard stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for chatting with us today. Until the circle comes back around, check the show notes for the free Going to Therapy FAQ guide if you have any questions about going to therapy. Um, We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. Because we want you guys to actually implement some of these principles that you learn in the podcast, we created a free guide for those of you who want to learn how to support your partner through a depressive season. The link is in the show notes. It's completely free. Also, if you're thinking about going to therapy and have no clue where to start, don't worry. We got you. We created a free FAQ guide so that you can have questions answered from how to find a therapist and how to utilize insurance. So if you want those free resources, make sure to check the show notes. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast or even share it so that people can join the meaningful conversation. Until the circle comes back around, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.